$500,000, half a million. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Boston Globe, when Saka tried to fire a cop, it's now paying him five hundred k. City of Woonsocket has agreed to pay a former police officer tried to fire half a million and a years-long legal battle that has placed the state's controversial law enforcement officer's bill of rights in the spotlight, Leah Bohr. Under the terms of the deal that will come before the Woonsocket City Council, Enrique Sosa, Sosa will receive the lump sum payment in exchange for any, any legal claims he has against the city. Sosa has also agreed to waive his right to be reemployed by the city, along with any additional benefits he may have received. Sosa, on the job 2018, accused of breaking into his ex-girlfriend's home in Massachusetts, hiding in a closet, then grabbing a knife she was holding to protect herself, cutting her hand. I want to, he was still on the job. Police officer, when he broke into her home, he admitted to those facts. Case was continued without a finding. He had to meet certain conditions within a year. It was dismissed. City of Woonsocket fired him, but he appealed the termination under Leobor, which is the law dictates how police officers in Rhode Island are punished when accused of everything from minor violations to serious crimes. A Leobor panel sided with Sosa. That is wrong. That's a mistake. A Superior Court judge ruled when Sockett violated the Bill of Rights and the State Supreme Court affirmed the decision over the summer. City Council President John Ward acknowledged settlement was significant, but he said the courts have spoken. Any more delays was, would cost the city more money. We're trying to clear out many of the litigated matters the former mayor failed to resolve as quickly, cost-effective as possible. Time is not our friend in matters like these. Bigger picture, police chiefs, again, Boston Globe and Reform has been urging lawmakers to overhaul Leobor for several years. No consensus has been reached up on Smith Hill, House or Senate. Bait likely to continue when they reconvene General Assembly in January. Folks, this is obscene. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe with that story. He is not entitled. Think how much money that is. No, this is crazy. But what I believe, Leah Bohr, they've been arguing it. So many times when they're arguing about it, it's always from a race perspective. It's always, um, you know, normally it's always done. And it is that there's uh, people of color feel that they're targeted and they want to just go after police officers like that. I think that's not the way to approach this whole thing. I think it's the the dollars and cents that come into play in this whole thing. That's what should be highlighted. And you also saw it shouldn't be uh, this difficult to get rid of a bad police officer, like that Officer Dolan in Pawtucket, where it was it was virtually almost impossible for them to try to fire him. And, you know, everything that they had to go through, folks, it should not it should not be this difficult. By the way, it's also impossible to fire a teacher. It it something is wrong, but this 500,000 in order to try to get rid of somebody who, come on, his actions are not that of someone who should be a member of law enforcement. And I believe, listen, it needs reform. This is crazy. No rational person would uh, agree that someone like this should, in fact, uh, be a police officer. And the fact that now the taxpayers have to shell out, think of that, 500,000 of this guy. And, and and for what? And he was 500000 to someone who was fired for being a, breaking the law as a police officer. Totally wrong. That absolutely needs to be resolved and reformed. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. 
This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room, delicious food. Then they also have a great full bar, large dining area, and you're gonna love the lounge. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. People rave about their delicious, consistent, great food, and also the great staff. I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252, AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling contact them today it's a family run business aj drywall plaster home improvements call for a free quote what a difference they'll make in your home your ceilings floors basements 401-323-9252 what a difference beautiful walls and ceilings 401-323-9252 you can also find them on facebook it's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. Joining us right now, he is a columnist with the Boston Globe. It is Dan McGowan. And Dan, uh, boy, what a tidbit in Roadmap and a very expensive payout for the city of Woonsocket. Yeah, five hundred thousand dollars, John. You don't see those kind of settlements. This is a settlement involving. Uh, a police officer um, who was fired uh, in Woonsocket a couple of years ago because he was charged with and admitted to uh, assaulting an ex-girlfriend, uh, breaking into her house and assaulting her in Massachusetts. Now, it, similar to Rhode Island, it was one of those cases where uh, he was basically the case was continued and as long as he met a couple of uh conditions the case was dismissed a year later it's sort of like kind of a misdemeanor settlement um and so he wanted his job back and when socket said wait a minute no you you know you admitted to doing what you did uh we're gonna fire you he uh appealed under the law enforcement officer's bill of rights as you know we've talked about very controversial uh you know policy that's designed to protect the police but oftentimes, you know, you run into situations where it's very difficult to fire police officers. He was successful. He went to the city, uh, appealed it to Superior Court. Superior Court ruled with the Leobor panel. Uh, the Supreme Court ruled that, that it, he was wrongfully terminated. And so they basically had to settle this. Uh, he's getting a big payout. Yeah, $500,000. The council's going to take it up tonight. But uh, basically, as the, as the council explains it, uh, the council president, John Ward's a good guy. He's, you know, he's always pretty transparent about this stuff. He said, look, there's nothing we can do, right? We're, we're, we don't want to pay it necessarily, but if the courts have ruled in his favor, we also, you know, he, he's not saying this, but I, I would imagine the Soccer Police Department is saying, we also don't want him back on the job. And so this is the, you know, them's the breaks, as the kids say. Really remarkable, Dan McGowan. It also shows as much as, uh people talk about leobor this this to me is the blue you know this is the poster child of why that law needs to be revised at the very least i'm so glad you, you pointed out like that because that you hit it on the head it's cases like this that that are the problem uh, that tend to be the problem with leobor everybody wants to make it a you know uh uh, civil rights issue and uh you know what happened you know police are always cleared of beating up kids of color and things like that it's often actually cases like this where where nobody disagrees in the Winsocket police department that they don't think this person was fit to be on the job and uh and, and, and you know it's not like this is you know, whether it's pro-union or pro uh, law enforcement or not, it's a fairly simple, clear-cut case, and 
you're really restricted from your ability to do anything. I think in fairness to what, what a lot of police officers would say is, sure, the clear-cut cases are the ones that you guys in the media uh, you know, are, are you know, like to point out. But what happens when, you know, police chief X doesn't like the, you know, the, you know, the 30th most important police officer on some tiny force and takes out, you know, vengeance against them or won't promote them or, you know, suspends them for silly things. And so that, that's the challenge that you have here. It's why always every year, you've been hearing for, for what, four or five years now, the legislature's been saying, we're going to change this and we're going to, you know, we promise this is the year. Last year, they, the, I think both the Speaker and the Senate President said this will be the year and nothing ends up happening because no one can quite figure out, I can come to really an agreement on the changes that, that they really think should be made. It is a problem. We, we saw, you know, Officer Dolan, he finally left, but just, you know, the Pawtucket police officer, how difficult it was for That's them right. to just, uh, it shouldn't be that difficult to get rid of someone who clearly should not be in law, law enforcement, much like this officer in Woodsocket. Now, Dan McGowan, also, you broke news. This is really interesting. This uh, already, this run-up of people that are getting ready for the open seat of the Attorney General in 2026. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the interesting thing about this is that 2026 obviously is se several years away still. But remember, it's the only statewide office that we know for sure will be open in 2026, right? Everybody else has the ability, the governor included, has the ability to run for re-election and, um, you know, and, and in theory could run unopposed. Unlikely, but they could. In the AG's case, remember, Peter Nerone is term limited. He already wants to run for governor. And so you are seeing some early movings happening uh, for, for candidates that, that want to run. The three of them that I named in, in uh, Roadmap yesterday are Senator Dawn Oyer. She's a Newport senator. Um, she had a fundraiser yesterday, so or Tuesday. So it's, you know, she's very much, you know, putting this together. And by the way, she had Peter Nerone on her host committee um, as a fund, you know, in fundraising, in her fundraising host committee. And so, uh, you know, and she's at least trying to tip her hat that maybe she could have the inside track at the support from somebody who, who, who support you would want uh, if you were running for uh, for the job. He still says, nah, you know, I'm not ready to make that decision yet. Uh, the other one's Representative Jason Knight, who uh, is both, he, he's the one that, of the three candidates that actually has uh, exper deep experience, I think, in the courtroom, both as a prosecutor and as a criminal defense attorney now. Uh, he's a Barrington rep, not exactly a household name, but somebody who is, I think, pretty respected among his colleagues in the House. Uh, and then somebody you and I know very well, John Igliozzi, the former yep. Providence City Council president. He's having a fundraiser in a couple of weeks uh, where he, you know, again, he's not even in office anymore. So he, he, he's only raising money to to run for this job, uh, attorney general. So those are the three Democrats, I should say. They're all Democrats that want to run right now. I will say, I do think n none of those three candidates are the kinds of people who would, you know, be able to clear a field, right? So I think this is one where this will evolve over time. I think you're going to see other candidates that want to take uh, a chance at this. In fact, I heard from a handful of people yesterday who said, oh, you should put this person on the list, this person, that person. So, you know, I, I think this is going to be an office that a lot of people are going to covet in, in large part because it is the one job that they know they can run for without having to take on an incumbent. Dan McGowan, uh, one thing about John Igliosi, who I like, and hey, the, the protesters went to his home the summer of 2020 right. and vandalized it with spray paint. But if just with this field... He kind of, you know, I wonder if Jason Knight and the senator kind of cancel each other out, both going for that very progressive vote. And that almost gives a lane to Igliosi as the more moderate law and order. Very good point. And remember, while Rhode Island is incredibly blue, we have not seen an attorney general candidate or winner, I should say, run on a, you know, very extreme, like extremely progressive kind of platform, right? If you go back, you know, Peter Nerona was very much, I'm the, I'm the U.S. attorney, former U.S. attorney, you know, I, I'm, I was in this office, I know what it takes to do the job. Even before that, you and I, uh, I think, agree that you're not sure Peter Kilmartin was the greatest candidate of all time, but he ran, I, I remember the campaign, he ran very hard yep. on being tough on crime, yes. I'm a cop, you know, that, that was sort of his shtick. Uh, in fact, I think he was critical of some of his Democratic primary opponents for being very soft on 
some matters of issues. So I think you're right. I think John Agliosi could be the person who runs that moderate to, um, you know, to somewhat conservative path. The challenge that, that, that Igliosi has, I think, is twofold. One, I think whenever you run for statewide office from Providence, you can hang lots of things around the neck of a Providence, you know, lawmaker, right? That uh, crimes out of control, things like that. I think that becomes a little bit of a challenge. And the other one is that he doesn't have deep, deep experience in the courtroom. Neither, by the way, does Dawn Oyer. Uh, I, I think this is an issue that comes up in, in a race like this where you know, do you really want to have the, the top law enforcement or the top lawyer in the state be somebody who hasn't spent uh, you know a significant amount of time actually practicing the law uh, and, and that's where somebody like maybe Jason Knight actually has a huge advantage um, but again you could run for the job even if you're not a lawyer so uh, it's going to be something really uh, to, to, to keep an eye on. And again, I think the field will potentially evolve. I think none of those candidates are people who are going to, you know, they're not going to raise a million dollars. They're not going to be such overwhelming favorites that everybody backs out. I think, if anything, more people will get in. AdMed Urgent Care, walk-in urgent care center, all your medical needs. They're open seven days a week, doctors and nurses. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, in Johnston, that's right in the Atwood Medical Center, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. Again, they're open seven days a week at Med Urgent Care. When you need urgent care without the wait now, when I've been in that situation and I needed urgent care, that's where I went. If you want to go to an emergency room and have a long wait, well, you're free to do that. Otherwise, do what I did. Go to at Med Urgent Care, whether it's work-related, maybe someone's not feeling well, someone needs stitches, whatever it may be, at Med Urgent Care, comprehensive outpatient urgent care facility. There's two locations, one near you, Johnston, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. That's right across from Felicia's. When you need, and I need, urgent care, you want AtMed Urgent Care. Again, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston in the Atwood Medical Center, and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Seven days a week, doctors and nurses, AtMed Urgent Care. Folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, for people that don't understand what can happen to the Office of Attorney General, or in certain cities and states, it's the district attorney. Uh, it, when a progressive gets into that office, if you look at what's happened in Philadelphia, parts on the West Coast, Portland, it, it would be the attorney general that says, we're not going to prosecute shoplifting cases. We're not going to prosecute these types of crimes. I don't think people realize how important and how that office, if a progressive comes in, how they could impact an office like that. I think you hit it on the head. That That is something that it, it would be, I, I think if I was running, if I, let's use those three candidates, Oyer, Knight, and Igliosi, if I wanted to run sort of an aggressive campaign to make the case that I'm the best candidate, I think you're right. Someone like John Igliosi could say, hey, we do not want to be San Francisco, right? We do not want to be, like you pointed out, sort of what, what's happened in Philadelphia to some degree. Um, and the AG, yeah, ha has a lot of discretion over what they want to do. And uh, also just the direction of the office. I mean, even forget progressive versus non-progressive policy <clears throat> use just use the kind of attitude of the office compare yep. peter norona who's very aggressive particularly on kind of um you know environmental law and sort of a lot of the other the other uh, uh things that you oversee in the attorney general's office that you don't talk about every day compare that to someone like peter kilmarin who i think we would all say you know had a very sleepy tenure huh. um you know in that in that job and spent some time in florida as, as had been reported oh. and everything like that and so you you can make that office you know kind of what you want and if if you want to be an activist attorney general um you know you could really uh shape lots of different policy and uh and, and affects yeah the way you know the, the way cities and towns police and things like that folks we're speaking with dan mcgowan of the boston globe and dan your colleague ed fitzpatrick that was a great column uh, on Congressman Gabe Amo, and I love how it starts off. Not only does Ed Fitzpatrick touch on the difficulty or people are mispronouncing his name. I like the dentist thing of when you go to the dentist, say, ah, but I like uh, yeah. he, he also gets into the fact of that vote 
that uh, that he he took a different vote was different than than the position that Congressman Seth Magaziner took. I was really glad he asked that question yeah. because I think you had been talking about it a little bit and, 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 you know, it got some play on social media and nobody, you know, he had, nobody had actually, to my knowledge, had actually gotten him to talk about his reasoning for, Correct. you know, for the vote. I, we hadn't seen it. We'd seen statements and then we saw him very quickly scramble to, you know, say, oh, I sponsored this legislation or I put out this letter. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, you know, I think, Look, as the 435th, or I guess now that somebody's resigned, maybe 434th member of uh, the House right now, you are, this guy has got a lot of attention in his first couple of weeks on the job. Uh, and he's still learning, though, that while you're getting a lot of national attention and a lot, you're getting a lot of those good national interviews, uh, people here at home are still kind of getting to know you, including the uh, the elected officials who can't quite pronounce your name just yet. Something tells me they won't make that mistake uh, a year from now. What do you make of his answer? Um, how how is it? Do you think that vote came about? Do you think did they did they misjudge the reaction of of what it would be? I think they probably misjudged it because I, I think that I, you know I think if you were to ask Seth Magaziner's view of, of why he voted for that legislation, I think realistic. Now remember, for, for folks out there, essentially this was an, an effort, a Republican-led effort, but but Seth Magaziner did vote for as well as many Democrats to um, p- potentially hold accountable colleges, potentially defund colleges is the the way it was framed, but hold colleges accountable for having kind of anti anti-Semitic. Um, you know, actions on campus, things like that, for not protecting Jewish students. I think the the argument is that that, that someone that many of the Democrats would say is no, no colleges are being defunded. Let's be honest; it's never going to happen. This is the right thing to vote on. You know, let's stand with by uh, by Jewish uh, students. I think the Gabamo view of this is a little bit of that seems a little bit you know extreme to even to even put on the table that you might be. Uh, potentially, you know, going after colleges and, you know, we don't want this to open up a can of worms or who else are you going to go after next? But I think he probably misread it because it was an easy thing to just vote on and, and move on. And I think he probably heard, I think you've pointed this out. I think he did hear from a lot of constituents who said, wait a minute, you know, how come, how did you vote as one of your first votes in Congress? And you said you on, in, on the campaign, you stood with Israel uh, you certainly had plenty of Jewish support, particularly on the east side of Providence, and yet then you, you know, voted on this legislation. He obviously had to uh, scramble a little bit, and uh, you know, gun to his head. I think if, if he were to have another chance at that one, I think he probably would have voted uh, with, with Seth Magaziner and with a lot of the Republicans there. Folks, in the Boston Globe, there's a great article on a new book coming out about Elon Musk. The writer lives in Newton. Uh, I love his writing style. It sounds great. And Dan McGowan, there's also a piece in the Boston Globe. Trump tries to embrace Black Lives Matter, a group he previously said hates our country. I've known Mark Fisher. I was with him every single week, the week of 2020. Um, what do you make of the fact that even President Trump put out that he he called Mark Fisher and invited him to come to dinner at Mar-a-Lago? There's a big story about it in the in today's Boston Globe. I mean, God bless uh, Mark Fisher for getting as much attention as you can possibly get out, yes. of, out of this this kind of thing. You know, look, my take on it locally was I think a lot of the I think a lot of the partisan media and by the way, the MSNBCs of the world do this too uh, all the time. Uh, but but in this case, it, it tends to be the more conservative media, Fox News. You know, want this to be some sort of seismic political shift in you know. Oh my God! The uh, uh, founder or co-founder of, of Black Lives Matter is now with Trump. I don't think Mark Fisher, you know, politically was was a significant player in Rhode Island. I think you know that too. But I do think he was, and there, I have no no debate whatsoever. It, he he definitely was involved with Brother Gary, and and yeah. uh, you know was part of that initial movement. And so, yep. you know what what happens? I I tweeted something about it as as I think you know, and and again was trying to make the point. I don't think he was this you know this huge player. But what happens on one side? You know, you get a lot of the conservative folks who are like, oh, you're protecting the you know the the socialists. On the other hand, you get all these progressives who are like. 
oh, Fox News should retract their coverage. No, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. I, I don't feel that way. I think he I, you think he absolutely was involved with Black Lives Matter. If he wants to get as much attention as possible, he should. But context, we, we should offer context to say he wasn't uh, he, he wasn't getting anybody elected here in Rhode Island. Hardly. Dan McGowan, two more quick questions. One, Boston Globe had great coverage. I'm just curious your thoughts on the situation up at Brown with the president of Brown and then those students that were interrupting her. Boy, it is. I don't know what what Christina Paxson was supposed to do in this situation. I think it was a, uh, you know, kind of a lose-lose situation for her. She tries to you know, put together a vigil and, and, you know, allow people to mourn, you know, a situation that obviously was tragic. It doesn't matter. I don't care what happens. Whenever a student from a university is shot, and in this case, it was a Palestinian uh, American kid from uh, you know, up in Vermont, you know, it, it's completely normal to have a vigil and to do all this stuff. I think the challenge when you're at Brown, when you're the president of Brown, is you've got students who are activists and who want to, you know, who want to fight you. It's not just about uh, doing the right thing and, and, you know, letting people mourn. They wanted to make this about, you know, you should divest in all this stuff and you should divest in, you know, any anyone that funds you and also funds, you know, the Israeli military, things like that. Look, that's what being president of Brown is. I feel for her on this one because I don't think there was any scenario where that wasn't going to happen. Um, and then, you know, they, they, of course, as you know, they dropped the 20 charges against the uh, the misdemeanor charges for the trespassing. Right. Uh, I think they're, they're in a weird spot now because what happened, you know, these were all the, the Jewish students who did this. What happens next time when the Palestinian students, yep. uh, you know, potentially do a sit-in or, or something like that? Well, I should say, I wasn't surprised at all. I did not think that, uh, you know, the students from Brown, where it's a rite of passage to get arrested for trespassing or for, like, you know, uh, tying yourself to, uh, you know, a bank door, things like that. Uh, I, I didn't think anyone was going to get in any real trouble for it. I don't think anyone's getting kicked out of the school. I don't think anyone's, uh, you know, certainly wasn't going to get any prison time or anything like that. But... My guess is, or the, the the truth is, Brown should have known that a couple of weeks ago, and then you should have never even had the, you shouldn't have wasted the Providence police's time and arresting everybody and uh, and, and doing all that. If you knew, if you, if you probably knew you were going to drop the charges, which again I think they did, um, you probably could have just let them let them protest for as long as possible. They would have gotten tired and gone to bed at some point. Yeah, I agree with you. She went out with the best intentions, but now the story's even evolving more is now they realize that she omitted saying you should be able to wear the star david around the campus and a yarmulke and that but she in that moment you know like everyone else she was intimidated finally dan mccown i'm just curious your thought on how much housing shortage in rhode island is going to play in the next year well you know i i think it's it's one of those tricky situations because this these conversations are really wonky and they're you know a lot of the the housing stock situation you know is individual cities and towns that you know sometimes they don't want to have you know development projects in their in their communities particularly if it's low income or low to moderate income um you know one of the things i'm watching for is that Joe Shikarchi, the speaker, who's kind of led the way on the charge legislatively to um, to uh, expand housing, let's say, in, in Rhode Island, he has always said that one of the the things he is open to considering, but but he wanted to you know use other levers first, is really making it mandatory for cities and towns to allow. Uh, you know, allow zoning changes that, that, that would, you know, build more apartments, things like that. And he does have the power, as long as you can get the votes, obviously, like legislatures can really force things on cities and towns if they want to. So what I'm really interested to see in the next session, especially in, a, in an election year, but in a year where there won't be many other at least not that we know of, kind of high profile fights, right? The abortion issue is generally settled here. The, you know, the gun issues, I don't think you're going to see too many more gun reform type bills. 
so this the the housing kind of issue could be a, t- a hot topic, and you could see a scenario where George Carchi, who, by the way, also in his real life happens to be kind of a real estate lawyer who hates dealing with zoning restrictions in various cities and towns, really tries to um, kind of impose a lot on cities and towns as opposed to you know giving them more flexibility and urging them to do to to, to make changes. Folks, you hear me mention Roadmap. It is uh, filled with links. Dan McGowan breaks news uh, almost all the time. Dan, right now, if you'd be so kind to extend how people could start getting Roadmap. Yeah, I'll give you a little tease for for, for tomorrow's Roadmap. So listeners, sign up uh, today. Um, As everybody knows, PCURI basketball game is Saturday. I've got a fun little thing coming uh, that I think a lot of people will be happy about uh in roadmap on friday so make sure you check that out but send me a blank email rinews at globe.com i'll know what it is rinews at globe.com we'll sign you up you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning folks he's dan mcgowan of the boston globe dan great job as always and we'll talk to you again all right talk to you soon john thanks when it comes to insurance you need a neighbor a partner and friend you need Shoppa Insurance Agency. They're located right on Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Call today, free consultation, 401-900-INSU, 401-900-4678, Shoppa Insurance, SIA. Stephen, very experienced, whether it's auto, home, renters, business insurance, flood, recreational umbrella any other protection for your assets Rhode Island of Massachusetts Shoppa Insurance Agency your agency of choice call today set up a meeting they're so knowledgeable can have everything under one roof call Shoppa Insurance today 401-900-INSU or 401-900-4678 look for them on Facebook again located Reservoir Avenue in Cranston Shoppa Insurance Agency, your neighbor, your partner, your friend. One stop insurance solutions. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. So, the president of Brown University, President Christina Paxson, she's coming under fire a little bit. She was uh, giving some remarks. She was trying to do the right thing by holding a vigil for a student that was shot, and then she was shouted down. But I think. Something that has not been reported enough was you go back to um, Friday, October 13th. There was a rally on the Brown campus. Now, keep in mind the timeline now. October 7th was the Hamas attack. October 13th, there's a rally. And Brown University student backs Palestine. That's the headline after the terrorist invasion of Israel. But when they start saying, and I'm going to play it, glory to our martyrs. So that is without question. That is the calling card for someone who is supporting Hamas. So the remarks came during a campus vigil. It was the remarks were made on the Thursday after the attack. So again, the timeline, the attack was the 7th. Friday, October 13th was when the story appeared. This was a vigil on Thursday, October 12th. And where I think this is a real failing, this is this group, and you hear about them on these different campuses, um, obviously in and around the Boston area, really all over the country, but it's Students for Justice in Palestine. So that's how what they're, Students for Justice in Palestine, SJP. So, and they have been blaming Israel unequivocally responsible for all suffering and loss of life. Think of that, how outrageous that is. But here's a student who's a member of this Students for Justice in Palestine, SJP, and saying Palestinians will die for justice, will die to return to our land. Glory to our martyrs from the river to the sea. Palestine is the hope of the world. Let's be very clear. They're referring to the members of Hamas when they say glory to our martyrs. And I want to play, and I want to comment about this. Justice and will die to return to our lands. Glory to our martyrs from the river to the sea to the diaspora. Palestine is the hope of the world. 
I want to replay that so you can hear it very clearly. This is support for Hamas. Palestinians will die for justice and will die to return to our lands. Glory to our martyrs from the river to the sea to the diaspora. Palestine is the hope of the world. You know, where I view this as a real failing was, and it was the failing, let alone last night, that was um, on Wednesday night, the lighting of the Rocca, Rockefeller Christmas tree, Rockefeller Plaza Christmas tree, flood the tree lighting for Gaza protest. And they are fighting with police and they were just outrageous. But you know what's um, really amazing is, is that local media, to me, really dropped the ball with the students saying that. None of those students have ever been asked about it. It was glossed over. What, a, what an outrageous remark. Glory to our martyrs. That's how they frame Hamas. Dana Bash talked about um, this a little bit on CNN, and I want to play some of this. I have noticed this. Well, she was talking about Chuck Schumer. The October 7th she was talking about um, Senator Schumer and the amount of anti-Semitism that has sprung up. Chuck Schumer do. Yeah, yeah, and that was a really powerful moment on the Senate floor. And for Chuck Schumer, it is personal. He is the highest-ranking Jewish lawmaker in the country, and that is why he said he felt compelled to speak out and to draw attention to what he views as a crisis in the country. But what he really wanted to convey here were the fears and anxieties that Jewish Americans feel in the country right now. He ticked off a number of incidents since that October 7th attack, and he also described what it felt like to hear some of his fellow citizens say that the war and that Hamas was justified in some way, a message that could have been directed at some members of his own party. Now, of course, this speech comes as Congress has been wrestling with trying to do an aid package for both Israel and Ukraine. As of right now, though, that package really hinges on whether they can find bipartisan agreement on a border security provision package. That is something that Republicans have been demanding be included in any aid package that includes... I want to just stop it there because what Chuck Schumer was saying, it's really the Democrat Party, and you really see it, the cowards of Smith Hill that are just silent through all of this, completely silent. Glory to our martyrs. No one would report that. Terrible. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Do you need a good plumber? I found the best plumber, JMB Plumbing. Call them today. All your plumbing needs. 401-743-9153. JMB Plumbing. They've been providing plumbing services for years. Skilled professionals stand behind their work. Guarantee you will be happy. Maybe it's repairing damaged water pipes, repair clogged pipelines, maybe replace a, a water heater, as well as all your plumbing needs. Call them now. It's JMB Plumbing, 401 743 9153. Nothing throws off your life or your home or your business. When you need plumbing service, you need someone reliable, someone who's professional, someone who'll handle the job and do it right. It's JMB Plumbing. Call them today. 401-743-9153 JMB Plumbing and look for them on Facebook. It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Stop in and see Marie that historic white church shop local inside all quality products vitamins herbal remedies trusted companies they understand quality integrity it's my health it's all about your health local products i say honey maple syrup beef fresh gum you know they carry over 250 bulk herbs teas and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas hemp and cbd products and much more natural skincare products stop it and see marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's all about health for you, for your family. There's vitamins for children, all different types of teas, all different types of spices. Boy, what a difference it'll make. Shop local. Stop it and see the queen of health. It's Marie. And It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, right in that historic white church. It's all about health. It's all about your health at It's My Health.
You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, a new surge of migrants is coming to the southern border. Let's pick up the story with NBC News. Savannah, good morning. And we have seen vans carrying migrant men, women, and children arrive at this San Antonio shelter all night long. And it's really giving us a snapshot at what's happening nationwide. And I want to show you, if they can't get in, what the alternative is this morning, since this shelter's at capacity. Dozens of migrant families, men, women, and children, sleeping on sidewalks, doing whatever they can to stay out of the rain and the cold. That's all part of what authorities are calling a shift in migration trends now impacting states. Nationwide. You got it, you got it, you got it. A race to save lives on the Rio Grande. Texas state troopers pulling an unconscious migrant mother and her frightened kids to safety. The Marine unit confirming everyone here survived. But each encounter adding to what officials are calling a shift in migration trends. At San Antonio's Migrant Resource Center, Officials say they've been at or over capacity for months. When the shelter opened, how many people were you planning for? Maybe we made the plans for 700 people a day. And now? We have now 1,000 people on average of all times here. Many asylum seekers here waiting to get into the country, but also missing their families back home. Mom Yaris Castillo telling me it's hard to leave your mom and dad and your siblings, admitting she cried a lot on the dangerous four-month journey from Venezuela. Today, her family facing an uncertain future. Official migrant encounter numbers aren't in yet for November, but they've risen so much. This week, Customs and Border Protection says they're redirecting resources in Texas and Arizona to, quote, assist the U.S. Border Patrol with taking migrants into custody. The crisis along the southern border is also impacting cities nationwide. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says up to 3,000 migrants are pouring into the city each week. This is the number one issue that's facing the city right now. And in a city that's already seen frigid temperatures, Chicago is setting up shelters and camps to deal with what the Illinois governor is calling a humanitarian crisis. Winter is here. We want to make sure they have some place to go. In Washington... Lawmakers are hoping to strike a deal on the border, but so far, Republicans and Democrats have been unable to reach any agreement. It's been 37 years since there's been comprehensive immigration reform, and in that time, we've not seen the progress that we want, deserve, or need. Now, in response to Washington, Texas Governor Greg Abbott posted online saying that until President Biden secures the southern border, he will continue busing migrants to sanctuary cities. In the meantime, federal authorities say until those migrant numbers come down, the impact will stay put on those international crossings. Savannah? As I've said, uh, it's a major problem. It's a major problem in Rhode Island. You just don't hear anyone talk about it. It's obviously a problem in in Massachusetts. Um, But I I come back to, I have no idea why that was not more of an issue in the CD1 congressional race. Now, uh, Andrew Sorkin, who was the one that interviewed Elon Musk, I thought he did a great interview, by the way. He's a um, really interesting guy. He, He spoke about his interview... With Elon Musk, with the Today Show. Let's bring in the man of the hour, CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin, who led that conversation yep. with Elon Musk at the New York Times Dealbook Summit. Hello, mm-hmm. Andrew. Hey so, Hello. I mean, what did you make of that? You've covered Elon Musk a long time. Here he is in the middle of this fire, advertisers fleeing his company X, mm-hmm. formerly known as Twitter. And then he has some, um, he does not mince words, shall I, we you say. Know, I think we... It was, it was fascinating. I was speechless when he made those remarks, the ones that have gone viral. I do encourage people to see the whole thing because in many ways, I think you got to see the full Elon Musk. I think you saw that Elon Musk is many people. Uh, mm-hmm. You can see the Einstein and sort of Steve Jobs version of Elon Musk. You can see a, almost a demonic version of Elon Musk. And the idea is, the question is, can people people hold all of these ideas in their head and can they be in the same person? What was so interesting to me was he kept saying, I don't care if I am Mm -hmm. uh, loved or I'm hated, but what I kept trying to get back to was, do you care about being trusted? Uh, Because ultimately, the advertisers need to trust you, the folks who are going to get in your vehicles need to trust you, the government that's paying for SpaceX, putting these uh, rockets in, need to trust you. And, and we, we were trying to grapple that, with that, and he was trying to grapple with that. Well, you talked about demonic, the demonic yeah. side. He talked about his own demons. Like, yeah. what did you glean about that part of him? Look, I think a lot of what 
drives him um, in very good ways and bad ways is a childhood. I mean, there was a moment where yeah. he was almost crying yeah. during this interview where you could really see uh, the demons that power a lot of this. And it was it's sad. There is a there is a depression under it. Um, I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't. I don't want. To, I don't want to say too much about, and, and I can't diagnose him myself. But yeah. there is something that that is driving him, and I think it's in many ways it's productive, and in other ways it's it's less productive. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking about the world's richest man, two hundred twenty-five yeah. billion dollars, and his contributions to modern society are undeniable in yeah. so many ways. To your point, you've covered him for a long time. How do you think it plays out? I mean, how does this? Where, where does this go for, from here for Elon Musk? I mean, does he tank X? Does it get sold? Does, like, how, right. how do you... So he likes to say he doesn't care, and he was yeah. ready to... Mm -hmm. He cares. He cares a lot. You can see it. You yeah. can physically see how much he cares. So I think, look, I think you're going to see great and amazing things happen along the way, and I also imagine you're going to see other things like... And maybe X will ultimately fail. I don't know, but I think he's going to try uh, his heart to get this thing In a way, it's the work. least of it. I mean, he has his hands... It, you know I mean? X it either right. succeeds, it doesn't succeed. You're talking about somebody who has an enormous influence in global right. affairs, yes. including things such as the war in Ukraine, because right. it's his satellite system he can turn on or right. turn off, yes. and that's how soldiers on the ground are able to fight or and we not talked fight. About, but we talked about that, the power that he has yeah. and the leverage that he has. And it's interesting because he, he has all that leverage in these physical systems that he owns, but he doesn't have that leverage in, in, in Twitter, in X. It's a, it's, a different, it's a different business. But the other thing I was just going to say that was so interesting to me about it was it was human. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's those little, that page in Us magazine that says they're just like us. Yeah. No matter how much money you have, what your business title on your business card there are these feelings that yeah. people have, and, and they're complicated. And I think being able to see that, we often don't have that opportunity. Yeah. So, um, Fascinating interview. Interesting. Yeah. Thank Great you. Job. Really interesting interview. I recognize um, Elon Musk. I, I, he's taken some flack. I love that he, how he struck back. And let me just play that piece again. He, he scoffed at the boycott. Say during a an interview with CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin, including taking on accusations that he has amplified anti-Semitism on his social media company, X. We're going to actually talk to Andrew in just a moment. But first, NBC's Emily Aketa has details on this. Hey, Em, good morning. Good morning to you. You said it. It was a long and remarkably candid interview covering a wide range of topics from AI and unions to Tesla and SpaceX. And after apologizing for that controversial post, Musk had his strongest words for advertisers now leaving his platform. A defiant appearance by billionaire businessman Elon Musk. Go yourself. Is that clear? The richest man in the world speaking out in an interview with CNBC's Andrew Ross Sorkin at the New York Times Steelbook Summit amid a firestorm of criticism over his inflammatory comments on social media. Earlier this month, Musk appeared to endorse an anti-Semitic post on X that accused Jewish communities of pushing hatred against white people, writing the actual truth, a response that unleashed a barrage of backlash from the White House to a wave of companies, including NBC's parent company Comcast, pulling their advertising from X, which reportedly could cost the social media platform up to $75 million. And Musk potentially adding fuel to the fire last night, emphatically scoffing at the advertiser boycott. If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f*** yourself. But go f*** yourself. Is that clear? I, I hope it is. Hey, Bob. Musk appearing to specifically call out Disney CEO Bob Iger, wow. who was also no, interviewed earlier. By him taking the position that he took in quite a public manner, um, we just felt that the association with that position and, and Elon Musk and X was not necessarily a positive one for us. Last night, Musk did later admit an advertising boycott could kill the company and apologize for his original inflammatory tweet. I'm sorry for that, that, that tweet or post. It was foolish of me. I tried my best to clarify uh, six ways to Sunday. He also recently traveled to Israel to meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and toured a kibbutz ravaged in Hamas's attack. Musk insisting it was not an apology tour. 
And separately in the interview, Musk voiced concerns about artificial intelligence, saying the developing tech is more dangerous than nuclear bombs and calling for more regulation. Just one of many head-turning comments last night. I thought it was really interesting. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room, delicious food. Then they also have a great full bar, large dining area, and you're going to love the lounge. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. People rave about their delicious, consistent, great food, and also the great staff. I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. I think it's going to be an interesting election. Uh, President Biden is not going to have the support that he thought he was going to have or people thought he was going to have. And I thought, I think one of the first big cracks is, in fact, Brother Mark, Mark Fisher, Black Lives Matter, Rhode Island, now says he is supporting President Trump and it's making huge waves. Let's pick up the local story. Channel 12 has this controversy with BLM. And joins us now with their reaction. Matt? Mike Shannon, brother Gary Danzler, the founder of Rhode Island Black Lives Matter, tells me he's disgusted over Mark Fisher's comments on Fox News, while Rhode Island Republican Chairman Joe Powers calling it a major win for the Rhode Island Republican Party. I am watching young black men and women shot. Turn back the clock to 2020. Mark Fisher, a Black Lives Matter Rhode Island leader in the streets of Providence, taking part in a rally leading to the steps of the state house, fighting for change and a voice. But tonight, Fisher making national headlines, using his voice to endorse Donald Trump for president. Trump has done more for the black community than I can any president I can think of in my lifetime. It's a bad look for uh, Rhode Islanders, period, not just BLM. Rhode Island Black Lives Matter founder brother Gary Dantzler disgusted by Mark Fisher's comments, calling it a major setback for all that Black Lives Matter stands for. It's an insult to the African-American community, and we love our black and brown people, and we don't have nothing against Donald Trump, but he stands for what he stands, and we stand for what we stand for. That you have good, and you got bad, and you got evil. Those are the less that are found, unfortunately, like Mark Fisher was saying that he represents BLM. He does not represent BLM. But not all agree with Brother Gary. Republican Party of Rhode Island Chairman Joe Powers calling the endorsement a major win for Republicans. But it's good to hear that we have uh, compatriots out there who are actually looking to uh, look at the Republicans as an answer. It's refreshing and, and uh, to hear that you have people who would normally not go that way. Um, actually come to the realization that it's the smart move for them because it just makes sense to be a Republican in Rhode Island. And 12 News reached out to Mark Fisher for comment, but were unable to get a hold of him. Live in studio, Matt Paddock, 12 News. Now, I believe we will be speaking to him. I know him. I've communicated with him. I think he's made a good move. It's a good opportunity, and it opens the door. Um, he is showing, like, what's the point? of backing a party, and specifically President Biden, who is not, he's really not improving the lives of anyone, let alone those uh, people of color. So I think it was a great move by Brother, by, uh, by Brother Mark. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Check out DePietro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com, all our links to social media, exclusive stories and videos waiting for you at DePietro.com.